0: Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. Wait a second, Ash. Did you just say true crime? I did. So, like, if I don't get into the nitty-gritty shit and, like, blood and gore and all that? Sometimes our cases are a little less that, but most of oh. them are going to have that. Okay. And, like, do you give trigger warnings? Eh. If you're listening to a true crime podcast, there's going to be shit said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for the... The uh, blanket trigger warning, shall yes. we call it. <laughs> Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Time for the show. I fired and I missed. Then I fired and i missed and i missed again you know what day it is what day is it november 23rd i mean not really okay it'll be november 25th when this comes out yes right? At math no you're wrong 26 26 yep that's three days from now not two yeah <laughs> math is hard well it's november 23rd so happy trademark day happy trademark day bloodbath is bloodbath tm and it's ours yes we ain't going nowhere Unless we become an official raccoon account oh, on Instagram. That's, oh, never mind. Sorry. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Bloodbath doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> sorry. Welcome the blo- Wait. Welcome the raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> raccoons only. We talk about raccoons. For those of you that don't follow us on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. <laughs> At Bloodbath Podcast. Because like, we've got some pretty fire memes out there right You'll now. You'll be way more in the loop yeah. of raccoons. Yeah. It's like an inside joke, but for everyone to see. you got to be in it, though. you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> What you got going on this week? Thanksgiving. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. The you know super old American tradition of celebrating White something people really killing dark. Tan people. Listen, mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about that. Okay. For me, it's for about me, the food. <laughs> it's one about the food. Two, my family's really fucking great. Yeah. So getting together with them every year on Thanksgiving is my favorite thing. Having an excuse. To just stay home with Brayden and not do anything. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's totally cool. Having, having the different, upbringings like that. Where I like friendsgiving. That's, Friendsgiving's fun, but that's because my family is pretty much you guys. I have like five blood people. Yeah, <laughs> bloodbaths. You've you've picked your family. I have, yes. very strategically. You curated your family. You are, you. Your family's a museum, and you're the curator. I am the zoo watcher. Oh, my God. When did Museum become <laughs> Now I want to watch zoo? Night at the Museum. <laughs> Such a great movie. Maybe that's why you got the connection of Museum to Zoo, because in Night at the Museum, He's... they come to life. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Should we start an ADHD podcast where we just talk about shit? Apparently. We're, we already talked about this. What were we going to call it? We need another podcast. Yeah. That's what it is. We need another T-M-T-M. podcast. <laughs> like we need another <laughs> fucking hole in the head. <laughs> TM, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> let, me call, let me call our lawyer real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Ryan. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, happy Thanksgiving to everyone who does celebrate, and mm-hmm. to those who don't, happy Thursday and Friday of the last weekend of November. And I hope you do have some turkey, because like, oh, I'm so sorry that you guys don't get a taste Jamie's turkey sandwiches. I do make some pretty fire turkey sandwiches. I'm emotional. <laughs> And to all my vegan friends out there, enjoy your mashed potatoes. Woo! Oh, that's <laughs> all I wanted today. <laughs> You're welcome. Ugh. Anyway, let's stop talking about food. Let's talk about Charles Augustus Lindbergh. Ooh, that's a lot of no, no, names. No. He's, he's he's a really cool dude. Oh, sorry. Take it back. <laughs> he does have a lot of names. That's okay. <laughs> he was born on February 4th, 1902. Recently. Happy birthday. <laughs> he was raised in Little Falls, Minnesota and in Washington, D.C., Minnesota Minnesota exactly <laughs> he was the son of a congressman also named Charles August August Lindbergh. so actually he's Charles Augustus and his dad was Charles August Lindbergh. Do you think they just they meant to put August, but they just spelled it incorrectly? I don't know, but he didn't fuck up in naming his kid later on so okay, maybe he just wanted a little bit of a difference. He didn't want him to be a junior because you can't really trust juniors you right can't. according to small town murder. That doesn't apply in this case. Okay. So He's not technically a junior. Just wait. There's more children. (laughs) But wait. (laughs) But wait. (laughs) So Charles Lindbergh became an officer in the U.S. Army Air Corps Reserve in 1924. He was then hired as a U.S. air mail pilot. He became famous at the age of 25 when he won the Ortigue Prize for making the first nonstop flight from New York City to Paris on May 20th, 1927. American Aviator, Charles Lindbergh. Okay. He's often seen pictured with the plane that he made this 33 and a half hour feet in. It's the spirit of St. Louis. So you'll see him standing in front of that plane. Mm -hmm. So he's a pretty famous aviator. Um, He received the United States highest military decoration from President Calvin Coolidge, the Medal of Honor, as well as the Distinguished Flying Cross for his transatlantic flight. Vader, can you not eat like an animal? He is an animal. Well have some class (laughs) (laughs) i don't think that's gonna happen for us so this achievement spurred significant global interest in commercial aviation and air mail which revolutionized the aviation industry worldwide it was called the Lindbergh boom so this guy is like a big deal right (laughs) big deal big deal he is the pickle Mm -hmm. uh he was honored as time's first man of the year in 1928 like times magazine yes nice he was appointed to the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics in 29 by President Herbert Hoover and was awarded a Congressional Gold Medal in 1930. In 1931, he and a French surgeon named Alexis Carroll began work on inventing the first perf- perfusion pump, which is credited with making future heart surgeries and organ transplantation possible. So he went from planes to heart surgery? Uh, he's just a really smart dude. Okay. Really cool guy. He's just an Ironman. Cool, cool. Although there is some speculation that he was a Nazi sympathizer, but there's not a ton of evidence to support that. Big yikes. Big yikes. But we're not here to talk about him. No fucks with that. <laughs> uh, today, we are going to talk about the real story uh, in what American media called the crime of the century. Okay. Trigger warning here. I know we just said, you know, <laughs> but this case involves a kid. Okay. A baby. That's, that's a... I'll, I'll take that trigger warning. Okay. Good job. I condone that. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, I don't condone one. No, 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 no. <laughs> I condone your trigger warning. Okay. On March 1st, 1932. <laughs> Wait, do you hear that? There's another one star rating being written right now. Oh, God. <laughs> March 1st, 1932, around 9 p.m., Charles Augustus Lindbergh Jr., Charles Lindbergh and Anne Morrow Lindbergh's 20-month-old son, was kidnapped from the nursery on the second floor of their home in Hopewell, New Jersey. Charles Sr. and Anne were not home until 10 p.m., and that's when the child's nurse, Betty Gow, reported that he was missing. A search was made of the home, and a ransom note demanding 50,000 was found on the windowsill of the nursery. The note read, in very poorly written English, Dear Sir, have 50,000 sir, <laughs> ready, R-E-D-Y, Mm-hmm. Twenty-five thousand in twenty-dollar bills, fifteen thousand in ten-dollar bills, and ten thousand in five-dollar bills. After two to four days, we will inform you we were to deliver the money. M O N Y. We warn you for making anything public or for notify the police. The child is in good care. <gasps> I'm so sorry. Vader was just crawling across my Lego Millennium Falcon and just jumped off from, and I thought it was about to fall. My heart is racing. <laughs> You're going to make it? That gasp. <laughs> all right. Back to this ransom note. I'm so sorry. Indication for all letters are signature and three holes. At the bottom of the note, there were two interconnected blue circles surrounding a red circle with a hole punched through the red circle and then two holes on either side of this design. Mm-hmm. Very strange sign off. Traces of mud were found on the nursery floor. Footprints were found under the window but were not measurable because they were so messy. Okay. Two sections of the ladder that had been used to reach the second story window um, were, like, poorly put together. Yeah. And a lot of it was broken in some parts. So, like, almost impossible to, like, stand on, in a sense. Or it was broken during the ascent or descent from the ladder, like, to the window. Yeah. To the wall. (laughs) But this ladder did not belong to the Lindberghs. It was brought to the property. Okay. And they thought it was constructed by the kidnapper. There wasn't any blood at the scene, and there were no fingerprints found either. Everyone in the house was questioned and investigated, and this case was very widespread. So, of course, people fled to the Lindbergh property, destroying any footprint evidence that there could have oh been. Oh, my God. I understand it being, like, an older case, too, which I do know this case. But oh. I, don't know, I don't know a lot of the details, though. But once you said the beginning, I was like, oh. And I love these types of cases where, like, I know it, but I don't know it, mm-hmm. you know? But the older cases of just how many things are ruined by people being interested in what's in nosy when they don't even have a right to be there. Yeah. Like friends and family. Okay. I get it. But you don't just hear that you're like your neighbor that you don't talk to his child was just abducted. And then you go to their house. I mean, this is a And destroy evidence. Yes. I mean, that's true. But that too, like you don't, you don't know them. It's you a don't. fucking celebrity. It's like people who go to celebrities houses. Yeah. Like, Fuck off. You don't know them. And they don't know you. Go away. Nor do they care. But just the amount of evidence that was ruined back in the day, ugh, it just pisses me off. So we got people destroying evidence because celebrities. Just no. Just real dumb. Real freaking dumb. Anyway, a second ransom note was received by Charles Lindbergh Sr. on March 6, 1932, and the ransom was then incre- increased to $70,000 which is a lot then a lot did you not i look was it gonna, up for and us? i totally fucking <laughs> forgot <laughs> that's like my favorite part oh you want me to look it up okay i got you go ahead and keep talking all right march 8th rolls around and a third ransom note uh was received stating that they would not accept an intermediary to deliver the money which what means was the year? uh so this is in 1932 okay go on so th- that means that they wanted Lindbergh to deliver the money okay yeah him specifically. Right. And, and they, they all, want it from a celebrity. <laughs> I'm a celebrity. I don't want to meet some random person. But also they just kidnapped your baby, so what do you think they're gonna do to you? Exactly. No, thank you. Exactly. So um that money mm-hmm. is equivalent to one million dollars four hundred wait, what? Yep. <laughs> $1, one million four hundred and thirteen thousand two hundred twenty eight dollars and forty eight cents. Damn.
1: One million
0: dollars. One million dollars. So, uh because he, like Lindbergh, didn't want to be the one to deliver it. Rightfully so, but also it's your child. It is a bit sketchy, but this guy, Dr. John F. Condon, he's a retired school principal. Mm-hmm. He published in the Bronx Homes newspaper that he would offer as the go-between and would pay an additional thousand dollars for the inconvenience of him being the the go yeah okay the, the, the middleman. Like I'll give you more money because I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't want Charles Lindbergh to go. Rightfully so. Right. They don't want to lose him.
1: And but it makes it's a
0: child. In the end, it does. But they get more money. So like exactly why would you be like, No. No. Can't yeah, they also want an autograph. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe that's all they wanted. An autograph, an autograph and the million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. One million dollars. Is that really too much to ask for? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so on March tenth, nineteen thirty two, Charles Lindbergh Senior handed Dr. Condon seventy thousand in cash for the ransom. As negotiations began through the use of the newspaper columns. So they're talking through the newspaper. Yes. That's so weird. It is. That's like Twitter before Twitter. It is. <laughs> you are correct. Most people get their news from Twitter in the morning. So yeah. There you go. They're like, oh, I got to get the paper today. See what's being said. Dr. Condon even had a handle, like a Twitter handle, except it was a code name and it was Jaffsy. Ooh, cool. that's Twitter before Twitter. Oh, and then yeah. we had Tinder before Tinder last week. We did. We are on a roll. Okay. <laughs> March twelfth, around eight thirty p.m., Doctor Condon received an anonymous phone call, and then a fifth ransom note was delivered by Joseph Perone. He's star sixty-seven. That shit. They didn't have that. So, <laughs> Joseph Perone was a taxi driver, and he said he got the note from an unidentified stranger. The okay. fifth ransom note stated that Doctor Condon would find another note between a stone or beneath a stone at a vacant stand about a hundred feet from a certain subway station. So now he's sending him on a fucking scavenger home. Like just give him back his kid. Yes. Ass hat. So Dr. Condon found the note with instructions inside and these instructions led him to meet this unidentified man who called himself John. 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 <laughs> at the Woodlawn Cemetery where they discussed payment of the ransom money. So at this meeting with this unidentified jan mm. jan dr condon then asked for him to send proof of the baby's identity okay smart so the seventh ransom note was received by dr condon on march 16th with the baby's pajamas as promised oh scary yes <laughs> like you got what you're asking for but i also didn't really want it like you could have cut some of his hair you know something and and Just in general, because, like, you you want proof that he has your child, but then you get the proof that he has your child, and it's kind of like, oh, fuck, he has my child. Yes. You know? Very scary. Yeah. But also now the child doesn't have his pajamas on. Rude. Just He better have gone to Walmart and gotten a new outfit. (laughs) Exactly. There was then an eighth ransom note received on March 21st insisting on compliance and that the kidnapping had been planned for a year, so they knew what they were doing. Hmm. Thought. On March 29th, Betty Gao, the child's nurse, found baby Charles's thumb guard near the entrance to the Lindbergh estate. What's a thumb guard? Like, so they don't suck on their thumb. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's Something they had back in the day. Yeah. On March 30th, the following day, a ninth ransom note came to Dr. Condon, threatening Damn. to increase the demand to $100,000. It- they're giving them the money. They're negotiating through the newspaper at this point. <laughs> Jesus Christ. While the FBI and the New Jersey P- State Police are all... In on it, too. Trying to figure out what's happening. who the who, like com- Getting their suspect lineup while he's trying to negotiate yeah. with this person. A then-tenth ransom note was sent to Dr. Condon on April 1st, 1932, instructing Condon to have the money ready the following night. The eleventh ransom note, delivered by a taxi driver, gave instructions to find another note. Oh, my gosh. Which is the twelfth note. So this note was found... By Dr. Condon under a stone in front of a greenhouse in Bronx, New York. In this twelfth note were instructions to meet with this stranger, John, again, and he hoped to talk John into accepting fifty thousand dollars in cash instead of the seventy-three, or instead whatever of the seventy, many. right? Yeah. Which he was threatening to increase to a hundred. Yeah. So he handed John the stranger the fifty k in exchange for the receipt saying he got the fifty k mm-hmm. and another ransom note. This 13th note stated that the child could be found on a boat named Nellie near Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. Oh, God. The following day, a search was conducted all around Martha's Vineyard, but no baby was found. The search was done a second time, and Dr. Condon was sure if John showed his face that he would be able to recognize him. Really? They found nothing. I mean, if say they did leave the baby on a boat alone. Somebody sees a child. They're Probably. I mean, if I saw a baby by itself on a boat, I would be getting that child and taking it to authorities. Oh, Like, taking sure. it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So either that happened, another horrible person came across it, or a really good person that just really wanted a baby, which don't do that. But, you know, trying to think, best case scenario, if the child is kidnapped, you know? hopefully they're going to be taken care of going <laughs> to a loving family to a moral compass question if you find a baby what do you do i take it to authorities okay if you find a briefcase full of money what do you do i keep that shit because <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be the same Ooh, answer debts. for both ah <laughs> uh, well i know that but you know yeah i'd like a new jeep <laughs> legally i would turn it i in. mean for <laughs> legal reasons i would 100 percent Turn it in. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The baby I would, though. I'd be like, I hear I found this. (laughs) I don't want to take responsibility for this. Well, anyway, that was all in March. All of April passes. Here we are on May 12th. And the family had gotten pretty tired of just waiting around. So they started searching the grounds again. Oh, my God. May 12th, 1932. 1932. The body of 20-month-old baby Charles Augustus Lindbergh was accidentally found. The body. The body. No. It was half buried and badly decomposed. Oh. He was found four and a half miles south of the Lindbergh estate home, about 45 feet from the highway. So they never, they never put him on a boat. No. They never put him somewhere. They killed him like immediately. Yes. What fucking monsters? Which is begs the question if they wanted Lindbergh to be the one to bring the money. Did they just want to kill him too? To Kill him too? Yeah. Or did they just want money? I think they probably wanted both. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you kill the baby? Like you, like you, literally didn't have to do that to get the money. No. Look what you got—the money. Oh, anger. Yes. Very upset. William Allen was the man who found the baby's body in the search. So I just want to give a shout out to mm-hmm. him. Little baby Charles's head was crushed. There was a hole in the skull and some of his body parts were missing. What? The coroner stated that the boy had been dead for about two months and that the cause of death was a blow to the head. They assume he was killed the night of the kidnapping. Yep. The investigation lasted for two years from the disappearance of the child to the finding of the kidnapper. So remember that ladder that was poorly built to get into the second story of the home? Yeah. It was examined piece by piece. They found out exactly what type of wood was used to build it. Oh, shit. They looked at all the tool marks and the nail hole patterns. Whoa. Another factor into honing in on the kidnapper were the bills used in the ransom. They were marked, and every time one of the the marked bills was used, a little red pin would go into a map in the FBI's investigation room. I was going to say, they're more than likely. They they at least had that. They did, (laughs) yes. Little by little, they were able to follow the movements of the money. They questioned the store owners and got a description of this stranger called John. John. About 1.20 p.m. on September 18, 1934, the assistant manager of the Corn Exchange Bank and Trust Company in New York City telephoned the New York City Bureau office to advise them that a $10 gold certificate had been discovered a few minutes previously by one of the tellers in that bank. It was soon learned that this bill had been received at the bank from a gasoline station located in New York City. On September 15, 1934, an alert attendant had received a bill in payment for five gallons of gasoline from a man whose description fitted closely that of the individual who had passed other bills in recent weeks. Mm -hmm. The filling station attendant, being (laughs) suspicious Suspicious of (laughs) this $10 gold certificate, recorded on the bill... Like, wrote down on the, the, the bill, mm-hmm. the license number of the the oh, car shit. driven by the purchaser. Yeah. The license number was issued to Bruno Richard Hopman from Bronx, New York. Oh. Richard Hopman's house was surveilled throughout the night on September 18th, 1934, until approximately 9 a.m. on September 19th. A man closely fitting the description of John, as supplied by Dr. Condon, the guy who met with him, hmm And the description of the purchaser of the gasoline, left his house and got into his car parked nearby. He was promptly taken into custody. Yay. Bruno Richard Hopman was a German carpenter who had been in this country for about 11 years. A $20 gold ransom certificate was found on his person. In his house was found a pair of shoes which had been purchased with a $20 ransom bill recovered on September 8, 1934. He admitted several other purchases which had been made with ransom certificates. On September 19th, he was identified by Joseph Peroni, the taxi driver, as the individual from whom he had received the fifth ransom note to be delivered to Dr. Condon. No oh, shit. Mhm. The following day, ransom certificates in excess of $13,000 were found hidden in his garage. He didn't he didn't put it in a bank. No. I Smart, mean he would have been. But, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He was identified by Dr. Condon as John, to whom the ransom had been paid. Also, he was in possession of a Dodge sedan car, which matched the description of the car seen in the vicinity of the Lindbergh home the day before the kidnapping. Okay. They examined his handwriting and compared it to the ransom notes. The writing was remarkably similar. And stupid. (laughs) He was indicted in the Supreme Court in the Bronx County of New York on charges of extortion on September 26. Happy birthday, me, 1934. Mm-hmm. And on October 8, 1934, in Hunterdon County, New Jersey, he was indicted for murder. Good. Two days later, the governor of the state of New York honored the requisition of the governor of the state of New Jersey for the surrender of him. And on October 19, 1934, he was removed to the Hunterdon County Jail in New Jersey to await trial. So they were fighting over him. Okay. But they both wanted to put him in jail. Oh yeah, for sure. They yeah. just had to decide who was going to put him to trial. It's going to be in America because they did it in America. No, no, no. It's not. It's Jersey versus New York. It's state lines. Oh, because he okay. Yeah, he crossed state lines. I heard a country. No, he's from Germany. Oh, which there, is why his okay. English sucked on those notes. But oh well, I feel kind of bad. I called him stupid, but also he's a baby murderer. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so his trial began on January third, nineteen thirty-five, and lasted five weeks. The case against him was based on circumstantial evidence. Sadly, I kind of saw that coming. So tool marks on the ladder matched the tools that he owned. The wood on the ladder matched the wood he used in the flooring of his attic. Mm -hmm. attic. (laughs) Dr. Condon's telephone number and address were found scrawled in a door frame inside a closet. And handwriting on the ransom notes, the ransom notes, matched the samples of his handwriting. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, on February 13th, 1935, the jury returned a verdict, and he was found guilty of murder in the first degree. Thank God. (laughs) He was sentenced to death. Straight to hell. On April 3rd, 1936, at 8.47 p.m., Bruno Richard Hopman was electrocuted. Goodbye. This whole ordeal did force the Lindberghs to have to move to Europe, because all the publicity, they couldn't handle it. Well, yeah. You couldn't go on... Anything. You wouldn't be able to look at anything. Everywhere it would just be that. And the the posters of their son were all over and And everybody would know you're already a celebrity. Exactly. And also I I'm pretty sure they got so much backlash. They did because everyone thought it was thinking they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So they were forced basically to move to Europe. It's like fuck you. But kidnapping was made a federal crime in the aftermath of this case. Wait, it wasn't before? No. Now it's a federal crime. They did just think it wasn't happening. Like, it why was, wouldn't that but be? It's they were you know kids were taken and then given back. It's not like kids were, fully kidnapped, oh murdered for money and whatnot. It's just so mind-boggling to think that certain laws haven't always been a thing. Like, yeah. don't take someone's child. Like that should be a law, real quick. While other laws that shouldn't be a law are thing like. In Alabama, you can't cross the street with an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Like, why? Yeah. I I don't know. Power control. Yeah. (laughs) strange. Super strange. So that's the story of the Lindbergh baby. Very, very sad. Very sad. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But now I know more about it, and I actually know the case now. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of hated it. Sorry. Do you want to hear a weird fact? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So do you know why roller coasters were invented? Oh, for death. No. To distract Americans from sin. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> so in the 1880s, there was a businessman, LaMarcus Thompson, and he hated that Americans were tempted by hedonistic places like, hedonistic, sorry, places like saloons and brothels. Okay. So he wanted to straighten up one of the most immoral places he could think of, Coney Island, New York. So he Which built, has so many deaths. <laughs> yes. He built America's first roller coaster to give New Yorkers some good, clean fun. Okay. Yeah. I saw the one where it's, like, this roller coaster that was literally built with the loops made to kill the person on it. Fun. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. That's what I thought you were going to say. But also, Coney Island killed so many people. But, hey, at least they weren't thinking about sin. I mean. I mean, mean, the last thing on my mind when I'm riding a roller coaster is how I'm going to sin today. How I'm going to fuck this man next to me. What up, husband? (laughs) Oh, I don't. I don't have one of those. (laughs) But hey, if you don't sin, then Jesus died for nothing. Anyway, moving on. Do you have a good good for this week? Ooh, ooh, good good. We're the Jonas Brothers roast. Yes, that's on. We're about to watch that. But yes. By the time this comes out, we'd already, it'll already be watched out it, and a we'll lot of you watched probably it. watched it. So, exactly. like, watch it. So if it ends up being next week's good good as well, don't fucking come at us. I think we can make another one, or we can just find somebody else's good good. Why don't we talk, start talking about other people's good goods? Yeah, it's not always about Some us. Some good news. Oh my you know? goodness, John Krasinski. Yes. Krasinski. Except they sold that. So so sad. Not the same. But it's still good news, right? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely good news. There's Somebody's not having a good night no. if you can hear that fire truck. So I guess we will sign off. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to keep up with us on Instagram at Bloodbath Podcast and all of our other social medias. We'll catch you next Friday. Be sure to check out wickedclothes.com. Use code Bloodbath for 10% off your entire order. Mm hmm. But wait, there's more. Bye, 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 bye.